0: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Matt Goes to the Movies. Thanks for being here with us today. And we are taking a little bit of a detour. If you've been listening to this show, you know that we are right in the midst of a Spider-Man marathon preparing for Spider-Man No Way Home. But as we're on that road, we are going to take a detour here to talk about Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children the Movie. And to do this episode, I'm actually really excited because my son is actually joining me for this as we have both taken different paths to Final Fantasy VII in terms of how we are introduced to it. So, Brandon, w- welcome to the show. A little odd. Hey, what's up? <laughs> it's really nice,
1: especially considering this was actually my idea, yeah, doing the podcast on Seven Remake. I mean... Advent Children.
0: Yeah, it it definitely was your idea, and, you know, like I said, we were introduced to Final Fantasy VII at obviously different times. My first experience came from, you know, the PlayStation game and just being in awe of everything that that brought to the table at the time, but once Remake was announced and you started getting into it, you really like dove hard into Final Fantasy VII and watching videos. Why don't you, you take us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so I remember my first introduction to actually Final Fantasy as a whole was through this movie. Funny enough, I remember <laughs> the way it was introduced was you looking through YouTube through actually the final fight of this movie and then i was like oh it looks really cool didn't touch the series for like 16 years <laughs> and i think it was final fantasy 15 that i was first introduced to the series then remake ended up getting its demo i played it i loved it then me and you ended up actually staying up until remake released we played a couple chapters into it and i was just hooked ever since
0: yeah, it was it was really funny just from a YouTube clip, and, you know, one thing with this movie is now more than ever, this movie is so relevant, so to go back and watch it again, especially with Remake the Game being out and so many thoughts and theories which we'll get into, uh, it felt like the right time to talk about this movie just because, again, it's it seems more relevant than it's ever been in the lore of Final Fantasy with everything that's going on. So we're going to move along here and we're going to go to the watch rating segment. Now for listeners, watch rating, we rate this on a three scale tier here, whether or not the watch rating is high, medium, or low. And in this, we're going to explain why we feel that you know our ranking should be where it is. So I'm going to go first, and for me, this is high. Even before everything happened with Remake, I did like this movie. There's definitely some flaws with it, but it's just really fun. Then they came out with the Complete Edition, which has more screen time, um, you know, reworked scenes. There's actually blood added to it in the final battle, which makes a lot of sense. And I thought it just made it overall an even better movie and then, like we talked about with Remake, now this just ties in so much more. And going back and watching this movie, I, I feel like every time a new part comes out for Final Fantasy VII Remake um, on PlayStation, I might have to go back and rewatch this movie because it just seems like maybe there'll be more hints as to where this story is going. So for me, uh, this is going to be a high rewatchability rate.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that too. Just being a first of all, it is a decent movie. I always thought I always made this movie to be. It was kind of the bad movie that I really really enjoyed, <laughs> kind of like the Fast and Furious series. Like there are parts where it's like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, and then there's like parts, especially the flights, which we'll get into. Like this is really really good, but then again, like now more than ever, it's yeah, you should really watch this movie. Especially if you're a
0: Seven fan. Yeah, so great stuff there. You know, listeners, if for any reason you've never watched Advent Children or you have not for some reason played Remake, there are going to be parts of this next segment where, you know, or if you've never played the original... There's going to be parts in this next segment where we do get into heavy spoilers. So for some reason, if you're just playing through Remake now, or you've been looking at the social media channel for Matt Goes to the Movies and are like, oh geez, I want to watch that movie but haven't gotten around to it, this is where you would pause the episode because we're going to start getting into spoilers from the original release to Remake um, and how it ties into Advent children and some of the things that we uh, think are going on. So, Brandon, this is almost a, a nightly snack, but it's it's time to it's time for popcorn time here, and nice. that goes to the movies. So, popcorn time, listeners, is a breakdown of the movie, its main characters, themes, relatable messages. We're gonna go over our favorite, least favorite parts of the movie, favorite characters, and least favorite character. Uh, I think we both have somebody in mind right off the bat that might be least, Either but couple. we're you know we'll probably save that. However, a, a quick breakdown of this movie is: this takes place after the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, they have defeated Sephiroth. Cloud is now not exiled, but he's just taken to himself. He doesn't hang around with the group anymore. He's a loner. Um, much to the dismay of the people that were close to him, such as Vincent, Barrett, Tifa, uh, Marlene. And they want him to come back, but he just does not feel like he's a part of the group. But something else that's happened is they're developing a geostigma, which is a sickness that's plaguing, um, you know, some of the children and really sets the stage for the main antagonist of this movie. But... Brenna, right I'll let you kind of take over a little bit here with, you know, what this movie is and where it led after the original Final Fantasy. I believe
1: it's actually two years. After. Yeah. Yeah, it is two years. It's kind of weird because when you watch the movie, they don't give the subtitles for after two. So it's like, is this two weeks, two months, two years? But it's funny enough, this movie starts off at the very end of Final Fantasy VII where the three, as you would say dogs, are running out into the field, looking over the city of Midgar. And then it decides to go back to where, two years after the ending of the Sephiroth battle, actually, in the original seven.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, let's... Really quick, I just want to make a quick pause, because how good this movie looks. You know, that scene with Red Seven running through... Uh, which is set 13, I don't know why I said 7, thinking of a video game. Um, Red 13, you know, running through. And it's set 500 years after um, the events you, of Final Fantasy 7 yeah. So, it, it, man, I remember this movie first came out. I was like, wow, this looks absolutely incredible. And it still looks really good. And we actually, you know, we watched this movie in 4K on a new TV that supports 4K. And it looks, like back then when it first came out in 2005, it looked good. And now, a re-release in 4K, it looks even better. Like, this movie is gorgeous.
1: Yeah, I was actually just about to ask when um, this movie came out. I was like, these still kind of, the graphics still kind of hold up. Especially after the opening scene of remake i'm like man this is better looking than advent children right. When you go back to advent <laughs> children i'm like man this movie hasn't really like hasn't drastically aged of how you would think it would they're like even other movies back then have probably aged way worse than advent children so it's pretty amazing what square enix was able to do
0: yeah, it, it is really amazing how well this this movie looked for the time and then again this 4K remaster and you know with this movie the the gang is all back together in a manner of speaking. It might take a while for the whole gang to be here, but you get everybody that you loved from Final Fantasy 7 the original and that's where we'll we'll go first is, you know, we'll get into kind of remake a little bit here. But the main antagonists of this movie are the Advent Children, and we are introduced to them in a way that I actually think works very well. I think it's actually kind of funny. I like the the different personalities that all three of them have, but I, I know, Brandon, you have a lot to say about these guys, so I'll let you kind of get into that.
1: <laughs> I would say, yeah, it uh, it opens up pretty well. Until you hear, where's mother? Oh, uh, <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you can kind of, don't cry, don't
0: cry. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some parts here that are, you know, again, this is not a perfect movie. But their motivation, um, especially Kadaj, I think he, out of the three, I think he's the most well-rounded um, he definitely seems to be the leader of that group in this movie and I think he gets the you know I think he gets the best dialogue so to speak because the other you know the other antagonists are really just there to have some cool fight scenes and the you know the opening one with cloud is very well done. I thought it was a great way to start the movie all of the fight scenes are well done yeah, that, yeah that's another the... thing that's age. <laughs> Like, this movie has aged, like,
1: probably one of the best I've ever seen in terms of fight scenes. Because, like, I'm, look, there was one in the woods. I'm like, man, this is really good. This is,
0: like, really good.
1: I'm like, wow. Like, you look at some movies now, like, even some Marvel movies, you're like, this is better than that sometimes.
0: Yeah, the, the choreography for the fights is really well done. Um, I, I love the update to Cloud's sword, where it can break into different parts, um, at least being used full-time in this movie, and it makes it believable that he's able to take these guys on, um, you know, two at a time in, in some of these fight scenes. I really liked how they did that. I, I love Cloud's outfit in this game. I think that's really, really well done. Um, and, and then you get you know, who I thought was actually really interesting in this game is, is Rufus Shinra uh, or in the, sorry, this movie. I thought Rufus was actually really well done and his playing it very close to the vest with, you know, talking to Cloud, trying to get his help but also somewhat acting like he's working with the Advent children and you know, oh gee, I don't know where Mother is, which uh, you know, spoilers for anybody has no mother as they're talking about Genova and that's who they're looking for. But I thought Rufus was really well characterized in this.
1: I will say this is this is kind of the so far peak of Rufus's character development because there's stuff, there's prequels to FF7. To where you kind of really see... Like, Rufus isn't the one-dimensional villain he is in the original game. So, he kind of takes the role of... As you say, he kind of takes a double-agent role. While also kind of working for himself. Because he thinks he knows what's best. But, um... They talk about how he wants kind of redemption. For not only himself, but for Shinra. Mm -hmm. And it's actually they show a flashback to it he should be dead but it's actually explained in the book that there's a room up in this big tower where his office was that him and his father well actually his father alone makes that has an l on it and he and he said to rufus if you ever need this button it means that you have lost in your life life and to the company that means like he's failed so they don't really go over that in this movie, which is kind of unfortunate, because it's pretty... Like, Rufus is a really good character. One of the better ones in Seven, out of the whole
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's funny, um, you know, some of the stuff, you know, when you first watch this movie, there's things that are like, uh, okay, I, I feel like maybe there's some missing plot points, or there's some missing character development, but this is where we can talk about remake as, as well a little bit and incorporate some of it. When you play Final Fantasy VII remake for listeners that have played it, and you go back and watch this movie, it makes it incredibly interesting, not just for the advent children, but you know, these other characters as well. Because, you know, go to any message board, you know, any Final Fantasy fan base this remake game looks like there is some elements of time travel involved and maybe advent children it has taken place in this world and brandon you have a really interesting theory about advent children when we watched it back as to why marlene would be doing the voiceover the opening of this movie and i thought your thoughts were actually really good on this
1: so in remake there's spoiler well spoilers Aerith knows what's going on like or what's going to happen and she also knows something's up that events are taking place in different areas even when she doesn't know she's being attacked in different areas and then when she finally finds out she has these weird powers where she kind of touches somebody on their head And it's kind of shown that they then know the same knowledge as her. So early on in the game, she does that to Marlene.
0: Yeah, she has to go back and and save her when the the sector plate's collapsing.
1: Yeah, and then later in the game, Barrett kind of calls out to Marlene, literally outside the city, like, from me to, like, from, like, me to North Carolina away. That's how far... (laughs) It's how far Barrett was from Marlene. And Marlene's like, is that daddy? And you're like, what? Like, hopefully that gets explained later. But you're like, <laughs> what? And then she's going over. I'm like, this would be really nice, like a really nice recap if it wasn't Marlene. I'm like, because it, it's really weird that like someone who wasn't there. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh. So is, is that scene with Aerith? fixing a plot hole in Advent Children where she knows?
0: Right. I'm like, what? Right, because when you take Advent Children just after Final Fantasy VII, like when it first came out, the original game on PlayStation, it doesn't make a lot of sense for Marlene to be doing the voiceover and talking about the events of what happened, especially because, you know, it's only two years. She's still just a kid. Like, it seems weird. Um... But when you go back to that scene where Aerith goes back to, you know, pick her up, and she touches her, and Marlene's like, huh? And Aerith is just like, shh. Can't tell anybody. Uh, Right, like, don't tell anybody. We gotta wait till part three to tell that. (laughs) It would would definitely make sense as to why she's doing the voiceover. And, you know, one of the other, like giveaways that people know what's going on or have knowledge of these events is the fact that when you're fighting the Arbiter of Fate in Final Fantasy VII Remake, when you destroy certain parts of it, you get those flashes. And some of those scenes, when we rewatch this back, are ripped, like, right out of the movie. Yeah, they're, they're from...
1: Two of the three of those are from the movie. Like, like literally ex- shot for shot. Exact, exact
0: shot. Um, So, and when, you know, the the one knowledge hits and you actually see Red Thirteen running through the canyon... You're like, huh? And Barrett's <laughs> like, what the heck did I just see? We're wondering I, the same thing. I I what? I didn't notice it, though, at first, but when you're playing the game again, because, boy, we've played through that game so many times or that last segment of the game, that last chapter... Aerith and Red Actually both turn and look at each other And like acknowledge What's going on Like they both know that these events Have already occurred And he says like what He says a glimpse of tomorrow If we fail here If we fail here today And I never really noticed the acknowledgement Between Red and Aerith Until A couple of playthroughs And I was like Oh jeez, they both know what's going. Like they both know what's going on here.
1: See, I kind of realized that like it was when Red confirmed what it was. I was like, "Oh, so he knows as well." Cuz first of all, it's a vision of him. Mhm. And then like the stuff with Aerith. I do one thing I also will mention. It does seem like they're very subjective with first of all what's shown and how the character dialogue is. Because mm. they mentioned if we fail, like, that's a bad thing. If they fail, everything goes the same. Like, if they lose to the Harbinger of Fate, that means Advent Children happens in two years. Right, and,
0: exactly.
1: And one thing I will mention, before we kind of go any further with the time travel stuff, I feel like it's important to ma- mention... Probably the key thing that's also in the background, unfortunately, for Advent Children. And it's the actual conflict of Aerith versus Sephiroth in Advent Children. And it's pretty hard to notice unless you've read the book that ties in between. And the passages of, like, the the after-the-chapters of
0: Lifestream Black and White. Mm. Yeah, there's... You know, it seems like they are really... Especially, too, I don't want to delve too far into all those other mediums. Um, That's maybe another podcast episode when parts 2 and 3 come out. Um, Because they're doing so many things now with Final Fantasy VII. You're getting the mobile game that runs you through everything. Even now, all of a sudden, Advent Children, which is like, wait a minute, how are you going to play Advent Children? And it really feels like, you know... The things from the book in these mobile games in part two and part three. Um, I'm hoping it's not part four because I don't want to wait till 2029 to to be able to see the ending. Don't want to be 28, right? (laughs) Um, You know, to see everything. But it really feels like they are bringing all of these mediums together to really tie this Final Fantasy VII story. In a bow. Um, and I will say, getting back to the movie though, there is one thing, you know, I said, you know, we talk about the main characters and the gangs all here. You know, if I did have one complaint about the main characters of this movie, um, besides one very, very egregious one in my view, it is the fact that it takes a very long time for the group to get back together. And I understand that this movie is, you know, about Cloud's personal journey about forgiveness and wanting to be part of the group. But I still feel a little bit... Cheated's not the right word, but I can't think of anything else to say right now. Um, But bummed out that the group doesn't get together until really the end of the movie as a whole. Um, And then even as a group, they don't have a ton to do together. There, there is a fight scene, but then it is—it's it, once again very much a cloud story. Um, Brandon's making a gesture right now um, as we're recording because he absolutely. Adores, um, one scene in particular adores. during that fight. Adores is a good word. <laughs> so, Brandon, why don't you let them know what you're actually talking about right there as you're making a gesture?
1: Well, first, I would say you're right with I, you, like you. I feel like you're right with how you could feel cheated out of getting the interactions with the entire group because the game's like. If you kind of beeline it to the story, the game's like 40, 45 hours. You have a lot of time to, like, learn with these people. Mm -hmm. So you kind of grow attached, and then they're all, like, they're kind of there, and they all interact with each other, except for really Cloud. Right. (laughs) Like, Sid, I don't even think looks at Cloud, really, most of the movie. (laughs) Like, Kate, Sid doesn't look at him. Like, they don't interact with Cloud, and it's very weird. Especially how like close they were, like near the end after the big scene in Seven. But um, the thing we're talking about. So near, I think it's this third to last fight against this big dragon called Bahamut. I forgot what type it was, but there's a scene where he flies straight up and he's basically gonna nuke the planet with a blast, and Cloud needs to get up there and kill it right then. So, how they get them up there is they defy every single law of physics. Now, I know it's from a game. They've done it before. Well, when you see it, it just looks very funny because they grab them as they're falling from midair and somehow find the strength to launch them 50
0: feet up in the air. (laughs) Yeah, they just, one person after another, just keeps throwing them. Um, And again, though great great visual when he's fighting and the monster looks and inc- you know the monster looks incredible um you know this is also where and we've completely skipped over him though um this is where you get a little bit more reno and rude um fighting two of the advent children while Kandage is talking to rufus um i really like them and boy did did Final Fantasy VII Remake really do a great job of fleshing them out more in terms of video game form? So after playing Remake and being able to go back and watch this movie, I like them even more. Um, I get a real kick out of those two characters.
1: So, I actually, in terms, Rude doesn't really, like, he doesn't really change much as a character in Advent Children. No, not it's, really. It's Reno that I really don't like in this movie. Oh, Because okay. he does a complete... Like, if you pay attention to his dialogue in the original, and even a Remake, they kind of harp on this. Like, he does a 180 in terms of his personality. And the one scene is, Oh, how'd you know we would hide her there? Or something like that. He's like, Oh. Rude, how could you do that? And he blames Rude on something he did. Now, that's a callback to the game, actually. To where he steps on some very important flowers, and then the guard, the um, Shinra guards or whatever are with him, and he goes, oh, don't step on the flowers. And so they're like, dude, what the heck? You just did that. But, like, I could understand that, but he really, like... He's a little too goofy, I could say. Because... It shows, like, he's super, like, competent. And he's kind of, like... I think he's, like, second in line Mm -hmm. to Sung. And, like, they really, like, flipped that around where he's clumsy, he makes mistakes a lot. Like, and he also is, like... Very early in the movie, this movie could have been shorter if Reno didn't mess up with Cloud. Because they're talking. He's like, yeah, let's rebuild Shinra. And, like, five seconds before that, Cloud was ready to help him out. He says that, and Cloud's like, nope, not interested, leaving, and then we got another, like, 20 minutes before they, like, join up again.
0: Yeah, I, you know what, I can I can certainly see, you know, that side of everything. I still really like them, I thought. They're, I think he's kind of funny in this, but again. Oh, yeah, like, he's,
1: he's still, lit. like, he's still, like, he's a good character, but it's when you consider, like, what that character... Like, someone can be a, still be a good character, but still be bad compared to how they were in a different, like, medium.
0: Yeah, very fair point. Uh, I will say with this movie and then playing the game, um, one character who I was always enamored with and having to go through what you had to go through in the original Final Fantasy VII to unlock this character is... Playing remake, then playing the integrate DLC, um, and getting to play as Yuffie, I have to tell you, I am, I'm so like enamored with Vincent that he is like I, I just want to play as him in remake. The quicker we're able to do that, the better for me. I really like his design in this movie. Again, that's that's kind of where I feel cheated a little bit. Is I wish we got some more. Of these other characters and some actual battles for them, because you know his quick little appearance when he saves Cloud, when he's going to to save all the kids, um, it is just really really cool. His movements are incredibly fast, um, the capes flying around, and I, I just wish we got a little bit more of that. But man. I cannot wait until we are able to have him as part of the group in an ff7 remake
1: yeah it like i understand because if you played through i played through the original first and i played it again on the ps5 with the Ufi dlc first they improved the combat very well like even better than like what's better than like perfect yeah, And then you get the Yuffie DLC, like, oh my god, they could, like, evolve with this. Like, what are they gonna do in, like, 2026 when, like, we're at the end of the generation, really? But then, like, like man, how Vincent moves, like, how he covers himself with the cape and starts shooting through the holes. Oh, it's, it's, it is really good.
0: Yeah, I, I will say the combat, and we talked about that mm-hmm. almost instantly when we turned on that game the the combat in FF Seven is so flawless and so smooth. Um, it, it's just really it's really fun to to play. Um, and I think you know you know, we mentioned the fight scenes. It's really fun to watch the fight scenes because they're so smooth and the moves that go into there. Like when you really break this down and all of the little details of like how Cloud's holding his sword and the movement to block and just everything that goes on into the animated choreography that they did, there is some amazing, amazing work in this movie. Um, Especially, you know, dare say that his fight with Kadaj is... If it's not... It's like a 1A, 1B situation for me where his one-on-one fight with Kadaj is... Really, really well done, and to me, almost the best battle in the movie. What's funny is that I think I
1: placed that third. Okay, I don't know what it is with like Kadaj's movements. He seems like a little too fast for the fight. Gotcha. I don't know what it is. I would say number two is the fight in the Forgotten City. Ooh, okay. That thing as a whole is like I wish that in like some part in remake Cloud fights how he does in that scene, like how he dual wields.
0: Like, that oh, dual wielding, like dual wielding in like the game.
1: If you played any of the games, like you would not think like, oh, he's got the iconic Buster Sword, and you can't imagine dual wielding. And then you look at it, like this, like once again, you're looking at it, it's like this is really, really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you've got. It, it's almost hard to talk about like Yuffie. 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 And Sid, um, even Red or Kat Sith, be Kate Sith, because they're really just there. They're kind of there to yeah. talk about some dialogue, really. Yeah, in, they don't have much in in Advent Children. Um, but you know, again, we're talking about the geostigma and everything like that, and the whole, you know, you find out the whole focus of this is. They're going to use mother, Genova to resurrect Sephiroth. Yep. And that's where things get really, really wild when you're looking at this movie and you're looking at Final Fantasy VII Remake, because there's certainly some indications that Sephiroth in Remake has already seen the events of Advent Children, he knows what has happened. Um, but before we pick up into that, you know, the little teases that you get from him, like in those quick little flash visions, and like you see him in like Kadaj's eye um, when he's talking to Rufus, and he's having a flash, and then at, before the end when he summons the monster, and he's like, "You feel him, don't you?" I, Boy, like, the anticipation to getting him throughout the movie, and then when Kadash finally fuses with Jenova cells, and he's falling off the building, Cloud jumps after him, and, yeah, he just, boom, you see him, and it's just, hello, Cloud. Yeah. And, the oh. like, the music plays. Like, I don't know that there's any... And I'm not talking about in video game. Like, I'm being dead serious here. I don't know if any other music gets me as freaking hyped as One Winged Angel. When that thing starts, like, I'm not kidding. You can take any song in existence. Like, I mark out for that theme so much. And when that hits and he first pops on screen, like... Back then, it was like, oh my god, like, this is so cool. And even watching it again, it's like, he's just one, like, to me, he's one of the most iconic characters in video game history. Like, he, to me, is up there.
1: Oh, yeah, with JRPGs especially, like, he's, like, he's there for iconic villains. Like, you, like, if you... Have played an extensive amount of JRPGs, like you've heard of Sephiroth.
0: Well, look at his crossover, Kingdom Hearts. He showed up in Super Smash, like he and he's one of the hardest bosses in Kingdom Hearts. Like, oh yeah, yeah.
1: That was my other introduction was the Final Fantasy characters, especially Seven being connected with Tetsuya Nomura. That was my first really instance with Sephiroth with. It kind of shows just how how someone can create a character like this, not only with Nomura's design, but just his writing in general. It's like, someone that menacing that, like, as soon as you hear those drums start pounding and you see that
0: wing, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's, it's just such, like, an invigorating feel to hear that music start pumping up. And, you know, I'll I'll talk about Remake a little bit, but again, some of these shots from Advent Children watching this movie and then watching or playing through Remake, when he's talking to Cloud and he's like, What I want is to sail this vessel through the cosmos. And he throws the hand up, and the clouds start swirling in, and the sky turns black. It's literally the reverse scene in Remake. But it's it's the same thing shot for shot. The way he's in the air, the way he raises his hand. But now, in the game, he undoes the clouds when he does it. But these the shots of him and the parallels are just like... It, it is way too much to ignore. And the way that he talks in Remake, especially if you like... Let's say you watch Advent Children and then you jump into... Is it Chapter 17 or Chapter 18 where you go to... 18. So, Chapter 18 in the game, you watch Advent Children, go jump into Chapter 18 and watch the similarities and watch how he talks, especially when him and Cloud are at the end of creation. Like, this Sephiroth, it looks like there is two different Sephiroths in... The universe of the Final Fantasy VII Remake game One that is going on the same path And one that actually knows what has happened He's experienced Final Fantasy VII The original timeline He's experienced the timeline through Advent Children And now he is trying to find a way to manipulate Cloud To not go against him So that he can somehow survive And actually still be like I don't know, what's what's the word I'm looking for? You resurrected in a way? Yeah, kind of. Like he can maybe be whole but instead of different parts and different timelines, he's just one whole body.
1: Well, that also the book really like Lifestream Black and White really helps not only with this movie, but explains that stuff in remake. So how did how the book ties into the movie is actually a prequel to the movie. So Sephiroth obviously dies in the original ff seven and he ends up going into the life stream just like everyone else who dies. Then it's learned that Sephiroth actually refuses to give up his body and soul well his soul into the life stream and basically fights it off. He gives up he gives up his memories, not all like of his past and like what he looks like, and that's actually why he has the Advent Children. It's actually explained that the Advent Children are separated because I notice you've said this with Kadaj being the leader, he's actually like built to be the leader of the Advent Children and kinda of gained Sephiroth's anger towards the planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Which
1: you do see. Laz well, is actually his strength and speed, which is probably why he is an idiot this entire movie. <laughs> And Yasu kind of has his charisma And they say his aloof, aloof attitude Which is actually In the original But it's in the flashback of the original Before his big change And it does say They're born from Sephiroth Trying to create basically an avatar for himself But he actually just can't Because he has this so, so much like Fragmented memories That he has to one split him
0: up And has to be somebody else yeah, and, you know, tying into Remake, the when you're fighting the Arbiter of Fate and there's the three separate Arbiters, you know, there has been so many, you know, theories and there's been, you know, jeez, videos and blogs and everything in between written how those three Arbiters all have the, like... You know, obviously they're not completely the same because they're in like that spiritual form, so to speak. But the weapons that they use are indicative of the Advent Children in 7 that those three have now turned into Arbiters themselves. Now, how that's tying in, we're not completely sure. But again, it, it seems pretty, I, I'm going to say obvious to me that they are now, you know, they've gone from Advent Children and they are somehow now part of this, you know, arbinger of fate in the attempt to change things. It actually
1: actually, is confirmed that it's them. Oh, okay. So it's 100% them.
0: Gotcha. Ah, interesting, interesting. And, like, that's the crazy thing now about Final Fantasy Seven is there's some things confirmed, there's so many, you know, questions. questions and theories and everything in between. And it's like, it's one of those things where we, we've talked about this before and like, well, what if it's this? And that's like, what if it's none of it? Like, oh my, like, oh my God, like what, what, what if none of this is real? But I also feel we went back, remember, we went back a, a while ago and we watched the initial, initial, the very first, first piece of video footage that stated that Final Fantasy VII was being remade. And it's right there in the trailer that this was not going to be the same Final Fantasy VII. Like, the way that they describe this and they're like, what you knew will no longer be the same. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Going back now, it's like, wow, they were pushing that this remake was going to be, well, it was going to have the same foundation the house the walls the rooms were not going to be what you remember um you know if if before your house was blue well they just made it green um and it's just really interesting to see where this is gonna go not only from the game standpoint um in terms of the console game but again all these things that they are doing with the mobile games and in between and god knows what will maybe get in between part two and part three, and again, how many parts they make this game, but where this is going to tie into.
1: Yeah, one thing also is, I have the theory that they're trying to make, and this is great, they're trying to make these games accessible to everyone, because Remake, to a complete surprise, was on PS Plus for completely free. Yeah. I remember waking up to that, I was like, huh? This what is game? this? I was like, this game's not even a year old, and it's it's not like it's sold bad. It sold like 50 million copies in five days. Well, no, five million copies in five days, and I think it's one of the most sold PlayStation exclusives. Yeah. So you're kind of thinking, also with the upgrade to PS5 being free, or like... We definitely know like Square made that decision, because we're all thinking, oh, we're going to have to pay like an extra 20 because it's Square Enix. No. No, it's not. Right. Yeah. So, with the mobile game, basically, it's not only doing like Seven Advent Children, it's doing Crisis Core, before Crisis, which there's no way to play it anymore. Yeah. You have to go on YouTube in order to know what happens. And... This is going to be great Dirge of
0: Cerberus. (laughs) Which was mangled when it came out. Because it sucks. (laughs) But it's crazy because now when you play Integrate, boy, now all of a sudden it looks like Dirge of Cerberus is actually, like, it actually means something. When before it was like, oh, geez, this, this went nowhere, there's things that happen in Integrate that are like, well holy cow like they're going to manage to turn Dirge of Cerberus this game that was mangled and ridiculed and you know forgotten at the bottom of the trash bin to be like oh man I got to I got to do some research on this who are these characters what does this mean what is that secret ending in Dirge of Cerberus does does that tie in to what is happening yeah
1: one thing um for anyone listening if you're still kind of like well, I don't know about the changes or the story. Just think of this. They made concepts from Dirge's Cerberus like cool. Like they made Deep Ground actually like really, really good. I'm like, this is like I feel like that's kind of the guiding light towards it. Is that if they're able to make these concepts like cool. Like the final boss in
0: Integrade is one of the better ones in the entire game. Yeah yeah for sure um, you know speaking of like final boss um you know you wouldn't really call him a final boss in the movie but when Sephiroth come back comes back in Advent children and he fights cloud you know that scene is unbelievable it's so good um I really love like I you wouldn't think to me that like oh blood it makes it better because I I don't necessarily need it. Like, I'm a huge horror movie genre fan. Like, I just absolutely love it. But I also don't sit there and say, like, oh, you need buckets of blood and guts. But Advent Children Complete Edition, when he's fighting Cloud, adds the adds blood. And as he's fighting towards the end, he gives him, like, geez, it feels like 20, 30 stabs. He, 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 he um, like...
1: He pokes them like
0: a kid pokes his veggies. (laughs) Right. You know, but, like, just that little stuff that they added in this complete edition is really cool. And the blood makes, you know, it gives impact to the battle that, like, he really is... Like, Cloud's getting messed up. Uh, And I really enjoy that little detail of it adding. But I also really enjoy the detail of... You know, you really get to see what the difference is between Cloud and Sephiroth. Um, granted, the dialogue's, like, not that great when he's, like... There's, you know, there's not a thing I don't cherish. The line falls a little flat. Oh, I um, love that. That's where I disagree. I love that line. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like the way that it's that's given doesn't really work for me. Um, but I appreciate the parallels between the two characters where... Cloud finally realizes, like, yes, these people are important to me. I want to protect them. Um, But he moves past just, like, wanting to protect them because he was, in the beginning of the movie, he was still protecting them, but he wasn't there. And this is where, like, once Sephiroth says he's going to take everything away from him, like, tell me what you treasure most. Give me the pleasure of taking it away from you. It's when Cloud realizes that, like, it's not enough to just protect these people. I want to be with them. I want to share experiences with them. I want to know what's going on, like day to day. Which to me is, you know, we're in this segment. We talk about relatable themes. To me, that's a very relatable message. Um, you know, spending time with those people that you care about. And I really like how at the end of the movie, that's really front and center. That he realizes he wants to to be with this group.
1: Yeah. It was so Cloud in this movie, I think not only for like us but even for the fandom, it took a very long time for people to kinda accept kinda how Cloud is. So Cloud in the beginning of the movie and most of the movie is still dealing with the loss of Aerith. And it mentions like he never really was able to let go uh-huh. and to get over her loss. Which is actually a theme in the original FF7. Like, it really is. Like, aside from some of the other themes, like corporations and everything, and, like, the world not being black and white, like, you dealing with loss and kind of struggling through it. That's a key theme in 7. Mm-hmm. So they really pushed through it to... You could say it. it's kind of resolved in 7 and kind of added back on. But then again, you kind of think he never had that time to recover. Because then again, like who knows how long Geostigma was on him, and that just made it worse. So as you're going through the whole movie, like, you realize TiFA means a lot to him, especially in the game with one of the better scenes in the game, mm-hmm. in the live stream. And then it builds up to that fight where they mentioned he's gotten his strength back, and that strength doesn't really mean physical. It's his mental strength and kind of his heart. To where it's all kind of building up, even where you don't realize it, to where it all releases in that one line. There isn't a thing in this world I don't cherish.
0: It's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna really quickly piggyback off of speaking of geostigma and how long he has, it, how long he has it. Um, let's not forget the sign, the uh, the scene in you know remake where Sephiroth grabs the same arm that in Advent Children. He has geostigma. Cloud does. Yes, yeah, sorry, cloud does. Um, and all of a sudden, he has the exact same reaction as he does in Advent Children. Um, just like another piece of the puzzle that this stuff is connected. Um, I, I want to talk about if you know if you have something else that you want to go to first, let me know. But. One thing that we both majorly, majorly agree on in this movie, and I would love, anybody that's listening to this episode, please interact with the the social media pages, they're all going to be in the notes, Um, is Barrett's design. And Barrett's design in this movie is just, it's a point where we sit there and like we laugh about it because... I don't understand what the decision was to change him to fishnets and the dreadlocks. White shirt. Yeah, like, it's just a very weird... Like, everybody else stayed the same. Granted, Cloud gets a little bit of an update. There's still foundations. Like, these
1: characters change, but Nomura kept the foundation for them. But for Barrett. But so, like well,
0: literally it was like, like literally they they took his design, they threw it out and they hit random generator um on the character create screen and they decided that this was going to be the new look for Barrett and it's really just like it's odd and we're hoping for some kind of weird like call out on that in like part 2 or something where, like, he gets dreads or something, or there's some sort of mention of his character redesign in Advent Children. (laughs) Like, somehow, some way, that's made a point in the game. If if either on the boat to Costa del Sol or in Costa del
1: Sol he gets dreads, I need Cloud to make fun of it. Because here's the thing. Tetsu Tetsu Nomura, his designs, first, no matter what you say about his writing or anything, his designs are iconic. Yep, like a lot of the stuff, especially JRPG fans, a lot of the stuff you play has Namora designs, especially Final Fantasy. Like, if you like first really good Namora design, look at the Warrior of Light from Final Fantasy One. Like, that is a really good design, and then you think of like he designed all of these characters in Seven, every single one. So like, his designs are so like iconic, like amazing. They fit. And then you get Barrett, <laughs> especially like <laughs> in the remake. He has such a good de- like his design is so well brought Fantas- out.
0: Fantastic.
1: And then you look at it you're like this is, like the hair doesn't fit, like the zero shirt, like yeah, like and then like the color white doesn't really fit with Barrett, like that white vest. it doesn't fit. Like it's so weird. Because yeah. it, it's one of the like to me it's one of the worst Nomura designs like ever. Like I hate it. Yeah, it's, it was a
0: very odd choice, and again, for for every other character to have pretty much their foundation all stay intact, and to make this one change to one character, it just, it sticks out like a sore thumb when you're watching this movie.
1: Yeah, like, some of these characters don't change. Sid, Kate, Sith, Red, Vincent, don't change. They just decide to flip everything with Barrett, and it's so weird, because even, like, For the upcoming game, um, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, like, I would say even those characters, because you're able to customize them, like, some of the stuff in there, like, looks way better than him. Yeah. Like, even though we laugh at that game, that game, we laugh at to death
0: sometimes. Oh my god, yeah, we have some pretty good laughs, um... (laughs) Oh man, um, yeah, if we start getting into that, that'll be a whole nother... (laughs) That'll just be a whole nother topic, but... You know, before we move on to favorite characters in this movie or least favorite and favorite and least favorite parts, is there anything that you want to follow up down on, like, the main themes or, like, the you know, the actual story of Advent Children?
1: Um, what was I going to say? I feel like they pick up a lot on different, like, parts of not only FF7 but some of the stuff before that. I just wish some of the stuff... Oh, I didn't even get to the full Aerith and Sephiroth stuff. So, the prequel to this movie... It's not even the prequel. It's what happens directly before between Aerith and Sephiroth. So, obviously, like I said, Sephiroth refuses to give in to the life stream. So, Geostigma is created by Sephiroth. And how he does it is that he takes a lot of the souls that haven't returned to the life stream yet... And really manipulates them. And really takes on like... Kind of what makes Sephiroth great. Is his manipulation. So he does manipulate all the souls. And basically like uses their hatred. To corrupt the life stream in general. And they do make the connection with Geostigma in the life stream So when that's corrupted. It corrupts the bodies of a lot of people. Aerith really tries to fight Sephiroth. Like not like... In a full-on battle. Yeah, not in a full-on battle. But she loses. Like, she loses and this movie happens because of it. And she doesn't... She can go in a way like Sephiroth did with the Advent Children. I actually think there's a possibility that she could have just went in full. Like, she could have reappeared as Aerith. But she did say, like... it, It does say, like, she doesn't want to. She does not want... Like, she knew Cloud, like even at the time, had a weak heart. Like, she didn't want to put Cloud through that. And so this entire movie, and you kind of get it at the end, Aeris, like, really helping them out. Especially with, at the end, like, they don't specifically say it, but she casts, like, Holy and uses the live stream to kind of cure everyone of geostigma. Like, that's an entire thing that's not, like, explained in the movie and it's in the book, and it's actually like pretty interesting. Where, where can you get that book actually like you could get it online like go to just amazon barnes and noble like we've crossed it a couple times actually ah all right or it's online like there's you could just look in livestream black and white and it's like you don't even have to get the whole book
0: those paragraphs are right there nice very cool so you know i guess it's maybe hard to like for me, it's maybe hard to like name a least favorite character in this movie. I mean, obviously, we can name a least favorite design for Barrett. Um, do you have one that comes just off the top of your head for like somebody in this movie you don't actually like? Like, would it be like, would it be
1: uh, see,
0: Reno? See,
1: you could kind of say Reno if it wasn't for like Yazoo not getting screen time. <laughs> yeah, because I remember like watching this movie one time. I go where is he during the like he doesn't like yazu just doesn't get screen time and especially being a concept of sephiroth charisma you would like especially after like learning and knowing about sephiroth you wish you would kind of get more of it but he doesn't get like any but he also has like i gotta look at it again but he has like one of the coolest like weapon names ever velvet nightmare yeah, that it, name
0: is unbelievable. It
1: sounds like a really cool limit break.
0: <laughs> I'm like, this is wasted on him. Why? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's like, it's hard to name for me, like, a least favorite character because the certain concept of this. But I will say that I do have, um, you know, I do have a least favorite scene of this movie And for me, it definitely would be, this is going to sound weird and maybe like I'm playing both sides of the fence here, but it's definitely that battle scene where the name's escaping me, the name of the monster again, Bahamut. Um, You know, where they're fighting Bahamut. I like the fight, but it just leaves me wanting more. Like it's, almost over before it even feels like it begins when the group gets together. So I I really wish they would have put some more effort into actually having the group fight together as a group. Um so to me that scene is almost just wasted, which would make it my least favorite scene of the movie. But you know, do you have anything that jumps to you about see least favorite scene? I don't really like I didn't really like look at a scene and go
1: Ugh. I, I looked at some scenes and went, ugh, like, when the fight with Tifa and Laz, ugh. which is really good, but it, like, you have to laugh when it opens up, because he walks into the church, this big church, there's two people with flowers there, and he goes, where's mother? And you're like, what? <laughs> like, you just have to laugh, because it's so out there. Especially after other times, like, they open up with, does he have mother? Right. (laughs) And, like, whenever they, like, go on these mother, like, sprints or whatever, it's just, like, oh, my God. Like, that's where, like, the this is stupid point of the movie comes out.
0: (laughs) Now, you mentioned this, you know, earlier, but is that forest fight scene your favorite scene? Like, is that your favorite scene in the movie? I would say Cloud versus Sephiroth. Yeah. What's funny
1: enough is that I looked at. It, I was like, "This is how like kids probably imagine this fight." Like, right. imagine those two fighting. But it's so good with like the choreography and everything. Like Sephiroth literally cuts buildings into the pieces to where Cloud has to dodge it.
0: Yeah, that again. That fight, although it is, you know, really really cool. That. That forest scene where Cloud is just, he's dual dual wielding and going through and battling and Vincent shows up. Just at the time when this first came out, and I'm always still going to, like, my my mind is still going to go back to the first time I saw this. Being able to see Cloud and Sephiroth clash off again, not just on a PlayStation screen, but man, like... In full-blown, like, really, really good CGI was just like, oh my god, like, this is what I wanted. So one thing,
1: I did look at my notes again. One kind of scene that you won't really notice, and, like, there's a kind of re-shot of this scene with another aspect to it. It's, like, you won't realize it, but cloud leaves the sword where Zack died yeah
0: yeah you're right and that is
1: really cool there's another shot of it where flowers grow next to the sword and underneath the sword and then there's another shot where cloud leaves in the church right underneath the flowers so that's that honestly is such a good callback and like such a good add-on to cloud kind of letting go to where Aerith and Zack are finally united and their swords are the sword and the flowers are together. Like, that's a really good scene.
0: Yeah, that really is. That's that's a great point. Little things like that. That is really, really cool, actually. Um, so, we're going to move forward here, and we're going to go to the roll credits. And this is where we're going to kind of wrap up this episode. We're going to talk about our overall rating for this. And for me when i first saw that like i'm going to give this to i'm going to give you my score when i saw this movie originally and then now seeing this movie after the remake has come out and just everything that i think could possibly happen and everything that i don't think could happen but when i first saw this movie i was like wow this is really cool it left me still with some questions great fight scenes um Really great animation, you know. Love to see these characters back. A little disappointed because we didn't get them all together as a group as much as I would have liked. But I gave this movie three and a half stars when I first saw it. And now, re watching it, I can't help but just be like overwhelmed by it to the point where. Again, this is not—it's not a perfect movie, and my rating isn't because it's perfect. My rating is just because of the enjoyment and the thought-provoking moments it now gives to me watching this. So, watching this movie now, this is a five. This is a five-star movie for me, without a doubt. Like everything that's going on in the world of Final Fantasy VII just leads me to enjoy this movie so much more and it just makes me just whirl with thoughts about what this movie actually means to where we're headed.
1: Yeah. A perfect comparison for me is this is the Final Fantasy fifteen of, like, movies. Oh, and yeah. It's, like... 15 is like a 6 out of 10 game, but I love it, <laughs> like, like, but I adore it, so I would say, see, before I would give it, like, a 3, now I think it's, like, probably a 4,
0: honestly, like a very solid 4 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, that's still, you know, it's funny sometimes when, you know, when you're rating it out of 5, you know, sometimes like, oh, a 3, like... Hmm. It's like, well, three's no, we, still a good score. Could, like you could have a solid three and still be a good movie. Right. Exactly. And sometimes it feels like you're not giving it a good. Yeah. You know, like you're not giving it a good score.
1: Just like how, like a six out of ten, six out of ten, or seven out of ten, that's still a, like above average movie.
0: Right. Exactly. That's what's funny. Another
1: Final <laughs> Fantasy game, Final Fantasy fourteen. You should play it by the way.
0: <laughs> is um. Biggest turnaround in gaming history. First of all, yeah.
1: First of all, it's amazing. Go play the free trial. There is an expansion between the expansion Heavensward and Shadowbringers, which is one of the better stories in Final Fantasy. It's called Stormblood. And it's not as good as those two, but it's still, like, good. Stormblood is still better than, like, a lot of Final Fantasy stories. So, like, you could have a game, like, a game or a movie that's it's not as good as this, or, like, it's a
0: three out of five, but it's still, like, really good. Yeah, it uh, definitely, this movie has, to me, you know, really improved uh, over time and with what they're doing with it. And for any reason, like, if you've never watched the complete version, um, I would definitely recommend doing that. And with that being said, as we're we're getting ready to sign off, One of the cool things that we're going to be able to do is so anybody who is listening to this episode and has interacted with any of the social media posts or reacts to this, um, I'm going to give it. um, Today is well, first. Right now it is the first of December, and oh no, it's the second. Now yeah, now we're into the second as we're recording this and getting ready to to put it on the channel, but. We're going to post this episode, and in the show notes, um, interact with this episode, go to Podchaser, leave a review. Any interaction that you're going to have specifically with this episode of Final Fantasy 7, uh, we are going to give you a free digital download code for Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children, the complete edition. So if you've only ever seen the original, or you've never watched this at all, This is your opportunity to get a completely free copy of the complete edition of this movie. You just need to interact with this episode. So before we go, this was actually, uh, you know, starting Matt Goes to the Movies, I started this over a year ago. Um, A lot of you listeners that have been with the show, you've heard this story where I was at home, sitting at home during the pandemic like a lot of people, My business had shut down where I worked for the time. I was at home for two months and I started this on a whim and it's become so much fun. But this episode in particular, it was so cool because having my son do this with me and to watch how he, you know, embraced Final Fantasy VII. Because again, for me, my first like foray into video games, like really, really like. I played Sonic and Mario and, you know, Joe Montana Football 95 was like, for the Sega, was like, oh my god, I loved it. But man, like, my true, like, love for video games came from playing Final Fantasy VII. So to see, number one, to see the remake come out, which I never thought would be possible, was amazing. But then, to actually have this experience into, like have this with Brandon with my son to like really see him get into final fantasy 7 um to have him a part of this has been actually really really cool um and just really exciting I was looking forward to this for a long time Brandon you had mentioned this a while ago uh to do this and it was finally like if we don't like we gotta do this yeah like we have to yeah. get this done
1: yeah it was just out on my you should really do like Advent Children* because like this movie means a lot to you and both of us. I was like, we should do it. And then he's like, oh, you want to do it too? I go, sure. I, we could. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't do the original plan of spend an hour ranting about Barrett's design, but.
0: <laughs> we'll uh, maybe we'll get to that in a part two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once these new episodes come out and we see maybe what we get in other media forms for Final Fantasy, but. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us with this episode. You know, continue to look forward to that Spider-Man marathon that we're doing at Matt Goes to the Movies all the way up to No Way Home. But, in the show notes, go to the pod page, subscribe, leave your email, get updated on future episodes. Let us know what you think of this one. Uh got a lot of feedback of people, you know, waiting to see this episode and uh, to talk about it. So, Really excited to hear what listeners' thoughts are on Final Fantasy VII Advent Children and just the world in general. So until next time, thanks for spending time with us at Matt Goes to the Movies.